A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online. So any small business could be a driving force to create change or build an empire. We know old ideas aren't cutting it anymore. So we're calling for a new generation of thinking. Your way of thinking. So whatever you have in mind that will help make a different future, find everything you need to get started at GoDaddy.com. Because the future isn't decided yet. It's up to us to make it happen. Start different at GoDaddy.com. COVID-19 patients need your help. If you fully recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have the antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients recover. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today to schedule an appointment to donate blood. That's V-I-T-A-L-A-N-T dot org. Help save lives and schedule your appointment at Vitalant.org. You could help save lives. This is an ode to Napa cabbage. Of all the cabbages on all the cabbage farms, only you have the crisp crunch worthy of our Bibigo Korean dumplings. No other cabbage would do, because no other cabbage tastes like you. We love you, Napa cabbage. Just don't tell Green Onion. Napa cabbage, one of many obsessively crafted ingredients in every hearty, flavorful Korean dumpling from Bibigo. Go handcrafted. Go Bibigo. Authentic Korean dumplings now in the freezer aisle. This is Podco Media Networks. On episode 109 of Confessions of a Marketer, the art and science of conversion. Hi, it's Mark Reed Edwards. Welcome back to Confessions of a Marketer. John McDonald is back to continue our discussion. We'll get to that in a moment. Up next, we'll have Chris Stefanik of Wattpad on storytelling, Kiri Masters on marketing and Amazon, another session on optimization with Justin Christensen, Nathan Hirsch on finding the right freelancers, and Philip Stutz on the politics of marketing. We're also going to be discussing marketing the holidays. We'll have a chat about CMO priorities, planning for 2020. It's going to be a great end to 2019 and a great beginning to 2020. We've planned episodes all the way into January right now, and we're really looking forward to those people we're going to be talking to. If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today. Okay, back to John McDonald. We're still talking about conversion optimization, but this time we dig into some specifics. We talk about best practices, Amazon and the like, but John makes a point that you need to know your data and shouldn't focus on your competitors for good reason. You don't know whether that's working. You may have seen an A-B test. You don't really know. Plus, we talk about how B2B companies can avoid having a leaky funnel. There's a lot to learn from your e-commerce colleagues. Great chat. So let's get to it. I think many websites still operate under the assumption that people don't scroll, people don't click on navigation bars, and that everybody still has a 640 by 480 screen. So you need to jam as much as you can in that real estate at the top. But if you look at the prime, no pun intended, example of a retailer online today, Amazon, you know, their site is organized, 
But there's nothing jumping out at you when you get to that homepage. It's kind of like, well, you find what you need to find. Here's a few things, but mm-hmm. we're not going to assault you with big images and, and banners and so forth. Very accurate. I like to call Amazon organized chaos because it really is. Yeah. There's stuff everywhere. But they have optimized all of that down to a T. And so, you know, if you think about it in that manner, uh, we've done a lot of research on conversion rates. And if you're a prime member, you convert, I think it's almost 78% of the time that you're on Amazon's website. Mm. So darn near eight out of 10 visits to Amazon's website, you're buying something if you're a prime member. So they definitely have optimized that about as much as you're going to optimize. And I think, you know, it's important to understand that just looking at competitors or even copying what Amazon is doing is likely not going to get you the results that you're hoping for. There are hundreds of best practice articles online that will tell you, you know, oh, we changed this button color and that led to $50 million extra in revenue, which is an actual article that got passed around our office. (laughs) And it's laughable, right? I mean, you need, really need to pay attention to your site's visitors' actions. And that's what's going to be most important is making decisions based on the clicks and movements of your site's visitors. And that's where not having the data is so dangerous. Because if you don't collect this data, you're relying on these best practices or what you see from your competitors or what you see on Amazon. And the reality is, is A, you don't know if that tactic's working for your competitor. B, maybe you were even opted into an A-B test or a split test of some sort and you wouldn't know. And so maybe they're just trying something out. And then you say, oh, well, they're doing it, so it must be working. Well, maybe they don't even know if it works yet. They may be looking at what you're doing too, right? Yeah, sure. And in which case, (laughs) you guys are just going to have this tit-for-tat game back and forth and nobody's going to win, right? So we often tell our, the brands we work with, the first thing they need to stop doing is looking at competitors' websites. Brands who, you know, I should say digital marketing firms who offer conversion rate optimization as a bullet point on their laundry, laundry list of services, they're not focused on this like we are. The biggest mistake we see them make is when they do a competitive analysis as part of their conversion optimization offering. And it's really a fruitless exercise. You really should be basing this on your site visitors and what you need them to do on your site. That's the only way to really move the needle sustainably. Yeah. So a lot of the listeners to my podcast are in B2B marketing. And, you know, the sales cycle for a B2B product can be much longer than, you know, something that you get on Amazon or another online retailer. Can we just talk a little bit about the funnel and getting leads into the funnel? And maybe there are some lessons for all of us that you can teach us on how to get those leads further down the funnel and convert them into customers. What are some steps that a company can take to ensure that they don't have a leaky funnel? Well, Mark, I think the first thing here is to try to learn from the e-commerce side. The reality is is that the methodologies for conversion optimization apply equally to e-commerce and B2C as they do to B2B. Right. The reality is you're still selling to a person and an individual. Yes, they may need more information and they may take more visits to purchase because they have a longer buying cycle in terms of 
you know, they have to go through a, a purchase process that their company has. They may have to do research and bring options and, and understand pricing and all of that. Those are all things I do online when I'm searching for a product, right? Sure. I go and I open multiple tabs and I'm looking at different websites and I'm collecting all the information I can to find the best fit for me. And yeah. so it doesn't matter if I'm buying a $100 backpack or if I'm buying a $10,000 business-to-business tool for ourselves here at The Good. I'm going to do that research and I'm going to do it in a very similar process. So I think the first step is, is to not treat it all that differently. Yeah. The second step is the same type of data applies. We want to know what content people are engaging with. So scroll maps, how far down the page are people scrolling? Heat maps, what are they engaging with on your site? Uh, We can look at click maps, even eye tracking. All these different types of data will tell us how people are engaging with the content on your site to do that research. You can understand funnel analysis in terms of where people are dropping off. And then from there, it's understanding what conversion you want them to make and make that as quick and easy as possible, whether it's a buying something through a cart process or filling out a form, downloading a white paper, scheduling a call, right? And so making that as easy as possible. The biggest mistake we see when we work with B2B companies in their funnel is that they make it extremely complicated to make that sale. So if you're not collecting the funds online and closing online. Most B2B, they want you to talk to somebody, right? And that's fine. But make filling out that form as easy as possible. What I even recommend is just let them book on your calendar. There's so many great tools out there that will sync with a calendar, even teams of salespeople, and allow someone to just book a meeting that's the best time for them right there. And I'm shocked at how many B2B companies don't do that. They always want to qualify and pre-qualify. Well, look, you can have a two-minute conversation or after somebody schedules, at that point, you've got a committed time on everybody's calendar. You know how to get a hold of them. You're getting all that contact information you would ask for in a form anyways, but now it feels less of a challenge to provide that information as a consumer because I'm actually scheduling a time. So the best thing you can do there is even just follow up with a survey after and say, we have time booked on the calendar. I don't want to waste your time. So I want to make sure this is going to be a good mutual fit. Can you answer these you know, handful of questions pretty quickly? We'll only take you two minutes. Yeah. That's a completely different sales process that we just don't see very often. It's just all based on reducing the barriers. A lot of this that we were just talking about is involves nurturing prospects. Is there a balance between doing it too much and not doing it enough? What is that balance? And nurturing a prospect can happen in one session on a, you know, on a website, or it can happen over the course of weeks. What's the right balance? Well, I think for B2B, it's going to happen most likely over weeks, you know, in longer sales cycles. And in terms of nurturing, I really don't know that you can over nurture unless somebody opts out. Right. Now, I'm not suggesting sending an email every day, but I do think it's appropriate to follow up and stay in front of somebody. That's not inappropriate. Now, I would always try to give them something of value at each step, right? That's helping move them further down the funnel. I think that's where it becomes really important to not overstep your welcome. And what I mean by that is if you just keep bugging them, like, hey, do you want to hop on the phone? Hey, you know, 
I want to make yeah. sure you got my email. Um, You're stalking them, right? Right. I got an email yesterday. It's a great example. And all it said was asterisk, bump, asterisk. That was it. They were replying to a long chain of emails I wasn't responding to. And they just did bump. And I was like, I'm definitely not buying from you now. Forget it. And I just wrote back. It's like, sorry, I'm not interested. That's a little bit of attitude. Exactly. And so you look at it that way and you're just like, if I was ready to buy right away, I would have bought right away and understand and have respect for the buying process that I'm taking a little bit of time to do research. If you had said, hey, you know what? At this point, most brands are doing research and that's why I'm not hearing back from you. We put together this great article comparing us against our top four competitors. Go here and read that if you're interested. Otherwise, I'll follow back up next week. That would have been great. I would have been like, you know what? I'm going to save that email. I will read that and then respond with my thoughts. But instead, I got bump. And I was like, okay, this is not helpful. It's really irritating. And they lost the sale. And there are competitors out there I can go to who won't bump me. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. So where do you see the art and science of conversion going in the next year to five years? If you get out a crystal ball and predict what's going to happen or forecast uh, some things that you think are ongoing, you know, where do you see things going? Well, I think that there's becoming a huge democratization of conversion optimization. And that's more of the art side than the science for sure. But what I mean by that is that the prices are coming way down for the tool sets. You can get some yeah. great data now for $9 a month on some of these tool sets that used to cost hundreds. In addition to that, there's a lot of conversion rate optimization providers that will hold your hand and do it for you, kind of like the good. And we're really working to put some systems and offerings together that are getting the price point way down on these. And that's becoming more and more possible because a lot of artificial intelligence is is finding its way into the process where we can set up a test and where we used to have to pull the data, run all of the numbers ourselves. Now, all of the testing tool sets out there will do all of the math for you. Whether it's Google Optimize, Visual Website Optimizer, Optimizely, any of those A-B testing or optimization tool sets that exist, they now do all the math for you. And they tell you, this test will conclude in X number of days based on current traffic levels and statistical significance will be reached based on this. And so without having to do all of that math and knowing that the data science is baked in, you can really make some improvements much, much quicker with a much smaller team. And that's, I think, really important to democratizing this over the next handful of years. I think that within the next two to three years, we're going to see a lot more conversion rate optimization firms similar to the good pop up. And I think we're going to see them all coming in at the lower end of the market in terms of budget and helping out those SMB clients that I would love to work with more and more. Look, our mission here at The Good is to remove all of the bad online experiences until only the good ones remain. Now, if I can help thousands, hundreds of thousands of SMB clients truly optimize their site, that's going to remove a lot of bad experiences online really quickly. 
So I would love to democratize this. You know, there's only a handful of focused CRO firms out there right now. And the vast majority of us in the industry are really going after that enterprise client. And that's all sure. they really service. And, and it's true, the value is there. We work with Adobe. And when we move Adobe's conversion rate, you know, even one one hundredth of a percent, that's worth millions to them. Right? Sure. And so the value is certainly there. But it's really hard to show and do value-based pricing for an SMB client. So uh, figuring that out, I think, is the next step in the industry for sure. Do you see conversion rate optimization as a service being a thing? Is it a thing or is it something that could be down the road? Well, I think that's exactly what we provide here at The Good is, you know, we offer our flagship product is called the Conversion Growth Program. Now, this is an ongoing month-to-month optimization program that is a done-for-you service. Brands come to us and they say, I need to fix my conversion rates or I'm not hitting my goals. We start with that audit I spoke about earlier. And then each month we're launching new A-B tests and continuing to optimize their site for them, providing reporting on how things are going and making sure that they have you know, an iterative process in place that continually and sustainably increases their conversions. That sounds great. John, this has been a fascinating discussion and a really, I think, thoughtful approach to conversion rate optimization that you have led at the good and uh, lead in the industry. Thanks for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. I really did appreciate it. All right, next time, Chris Stefanik of Wattpad on storytelling. So stay with us. Confessions of a Marketer is a trademark of Podco Media Networks, and this episode is copyright 2019. I'm Mark Reed Edwards. See you next time.